Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM kink and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and I'm joined by Wicked Katja. Good evening. We are back in the studio. I know it has been a couple weeks, uh, almost a month, actually. And as I told my Patreon followers recently, I wanted to have a queue of videos, four or five videos, done in the can, edited, ready to go on YouTube, because frequently I have weeks where I'm not able to record, which is a bit of a burden when you have a weekly podcast. And so I think in the last year, it's been very rare that I've been able to put out a podcast every week like I want to. So having this stockpile of videos that I've created over the last couple weeks will allow me to have a filler video that I can now add to the queue. So we now have a couple podcasts in the bag, and now I'll be able to be more consistent with our weekly broadcasts. I also have some very exciting news. As I've teased on previous podcasts, I have a BDSM and the Law podcast that Koch and I recorded with a lawyer who has kind of a specialty in how BDSM and the Law intersect. And we'll be releasing that next week as our 50th episode. That will be the conclusion of season two. And then we're going to launch season three with a very special interview that we have with Race Bannon, who, if you don't know, is a kind of a luminary in the kink scene. He wrote a book on kink called Learning the Ropes back in the early 90s that has been continuously updated. I cannot recommend that book highly enough if you're interested in kink and you're interested in this kind of education in kink. He's just a phenomenal person. We really enjoyed our interview with him, and that will be the first episode of our new season, season three. Before we get started this week, I want to send a very special thank you to our newest Patreon followers, Earl, Leanna, Princess Sunny, and Catherine. Thank you guys so much for your support. As always, I'm continually amazed by the support that we get from our Patreon followers, and I cannot thank you guys enough. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, head over to our website, wickedfellow.com, where you can find all of our links, the YouTube channel, the podcast is hosted there, our social media is there, and the Patreon. Thanks again. Your support means the world to me, and it really is what keeps this podcast going. As I mentioned, I know it's been a couple weeks since we've been able to record. It was harder than I expected to schedule time with this lovely lady, because I promised that our next episode would be threesomes in a kink setting, which is very different than the previous threesome videos that we've done. And as I mentioned briefly in those videos, a lot of what works in a kink setting is polar opposite to what works in a regular or vanilla threesome setting. So we talked a lot about making sure everyone feels included and there's really good communication and there's a lot of thought and care and attention to making sure that everybody in a threesome situation feels welcome and warm and included, which is great in that vanilla threesome situation. In a kink environment, often we're going against those norms to create that sexual tension and to create that excitement. And so you'll have things like cuckolding, which is a fetish that a lot of people have. And I know that, especially recently, cuck and cuckolding has been a very derogatory term often thrown at liberal people like myself you know, you liberal cuck, and the connotation being that how weak-willed could you be to let your partner be with somebody else against your will, for example. And like a lot of things in kink, 
what turns us on in the kink world may be very different than what turns us on in the real world. So a lot of people have that fantasy. A lot of people have that erotic fantasy of their partner being intimate with somebody else. With them in the room, sometimes they are powerless, sometimes they are restrained, and that's all part of the role play. And that's very exciting to them. It's very fun and fulfilling and sexy to them. Because, like in all things we do, it's consensual. If this was a truly non-consensual situation, I don't think there would be a lot of fun to be had there, just like a lot of the kinks that we do. So in a consensual environment, it can be very erotic to be forced to watch your partner be with somebody else or to be in a kink situation where you are not there as a participant, but you're there as an object. You might be there as a sex toy. You might be there as a piece of sex furniture, for example. Again, going into the degradation kinks and the humiliation kinks, that can be extremely sexually gratifying in a consensual environment. Where, of course, I spoke about in the Vanilla Threesomes episode, the last thing you want someone to feel like is a sex toy or just there as an object. In the kink realm, that might be exactly what you're going for. You might set up a situation in which you are purposely trying to make that person feel degraded and make that person feel like they're not even a human being. They're just there as a piece of sex furniture. So again, remember, these are consensual situations. We're talking about things that normally wouldn't work, but in a kink environment might be the sexiest thing ever. Another thing that I spoke about a lot in the threesomes in a vanilla setting is making sure that everyone feels included and on board and it's kind of a three-way making of decisions and making sure that everyone has a say, et cetera, that kind of feeling, which again, is very healthy in a threesome environment in vanilla. In a kink situation, usually one of the parties is going to be in charge. And like a lot of things in kink, that can make things flow more easily, if that makes sense. Having one person say, you do this, and now you do this to this person, and now I want you to do this to me, it can take away some of that indecision and uncomfortable feeling like, okay, so now what do I do in a threesome situation? Because it can be kind of a delicate balance when you're with you know, two people for the first time, figuring out where you fit and what you should do. And that is kind of thrilling in a vanilla threesome situation. But it also can be one of the main hangups people have in a vanilla threesome situation is not knowing exactly what to do and that can be removed in the kink environment because, again, usually in the kink environment, at least one of those people is in a dominant role. And so they're telling you, I want you to do this, and now I want you to do this to this person, and now both of you do this. And for the submissive personality type, that can be very reassuring and very comforting. So the reason that I wanted Katja to be part of this conversation is both because Katja and I have done threesome situations where I was in charge and there was another sub involved, and also because Katja has experience where I don't, which is having more than one dom working with one or more submissives. So I want you to talk about what that's like and what kind of, you know, for example, when you have four doms, who is in charge? How does that work? <laughs> so I have lots of experience with two-on-one, two tops and me, and definitely some experience with three and me. And then I've had some experiences where it's been kind of a gang of 
dominatrices and me. And this is amazing and one of my favorite things of all time. It's not that one of them is in charge, right? So it's that it's just me very much not being in charge. But for example, my last dom, something she really, really enjoyed was the energy of co-topping. She really enjoyed like that interaction with the other top mm -hmm. and with me. And I never, I can't recall necessarily feeling like I was in a situation where I didn't feel like she was directing the other top. She wouldn't have wanted to because she really liked the co-top situation. That said, she was the one who was actually my dom. So she she's the one who knew me the best. She's the one who ultimately, you know, if something had needed to be stopped, she definitely would have been the one in charge, but you didn't really feel that in the scene. In the scene, the tops were equal. Okay, so she's bringing you to the party. Right. She's responsible for your safety and your well-being. Right. How much say did you have in this? Did she, uh, before the scene, say to you, we're going to go play with three other doms? When I say dom, I just want to make sure that because D-O-M and D-O-M-M-E, you know, female dom and male dom presenting, they're the same thing. Dominatrix is another way of saying female dom, though some female doms don't like the tricks um, suffix. I do want to be inclusive. So when I'm saying dom, I am including both male dominance, female dominance, whoever is presenting however they want. That's truly not important. I'm saying top and bottom, power and recipient of power. So, you know, ahead of time, was this discussed with you or was it you're doing this? My dynamic with her was pretty similar to mine with you, which is that, no, she was my dom. She would decide this is what we're doing. There wouldn't be consultation ahead of time. It would just be stand here. <laughs> and this is interesting. So even though you have voluntarily given me complete control over you, mm -hmm. you know, there are no boundaries to that agreement between us. There are some things that are understood between us that I have made clear to you, like, you know, you have ultimate say over how you interact with your kid and your ex-partner and things like that. I'm not interested in trying to have that power. I don't want that authority. I want you to make those decisions. On the face of it, sure, I could exercise authority there, but I choose not to. It's very much the same way here in that while I might have complete power over you, you've agreed to this, you enjoy this relationship, when it comes to your body, interacting with somebody else's body or your submission interacting with somebody else's authority while I have the right under our agreement to say you're going to do this. That is something that wouldn't be fun for me to put you in a situation where I didn't think you were comfortable. So I wouldn't, for example, have you show up at home and be like, this is Frank and Frank and you are going to have sex and I'm going to watch. Sure. I wouldn't do that a, because I don't think that's really your kink, but also because I think that there is a line, even with a full control power relationship, when it comes to submitting authority. You gave authority to me. And while that may be absolute authority, I don't believe that authority is transferable. I don't think I have the right to say, you gave authority to me. Now I'm delegating that authority to somebody else without you being on board. Mm -hmm. So that's something you could disagree to. That's something you could say, I don't want to do that. And I would say, I respect that. That would not in any way get you in trouble. Whereas a lot of other things, if you refused, you would absolutely get in trouble. Yeah. I think I was just always so on board that it never, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think, uh, yeah, I don't know what the reaction would have been, would have been if I had expressed discomfort because 
I was very enthusiastic. <laughs> Which is, and there's nothing wrong with another style of play. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the counterpart to the cuckolding kink is, I don't know, is there a word for the being used as service kink? Like the counterpart to cuckolding would be me, instead of me watching you have sex with somebody, forcing you to be with somebody. And that is your kink versus my kink. I, I, I don't know of a special word. There might very well be a, a particular kink for that. But I do know and I have known subs that if I told them I'm going to find a random stranger and I'm going to tie them to a bed and allow them to have sex with them, that would be a huge turn on for them. That is a a consent kink for them that that would be extremely exciting for them. So I think that the two things, one is these were always friends, mm -hmm. right? So this this never really involved a stranger. Now, sometimes it might really just be an acquaintance, but it would be an acquaintance who maybe we've been on vacation with now for several days. And, you know, there's, there's always been that comfort level. And also it wasn't ever sex. It was play, right? Mm -hmm. So, so non-penetrative. Um, and the, the one, well, there are a couple people that we did things that were more sexual with, but those were like closer relationships. And the one person who wasn't already her partner, who we kind of contemplated doing strap on play with, we did have like an overt three way conversation about. Mm -hmm. And so as I've, as I've often said in these, you know, advice on how to do healthy kink videos, that communication, especially that initial communication, can be extremely important. You know, I've often said that when people come to me and they say, I want to be your submissive and I have no limits, that is very flattering. But that kind of tells me they don't understand how kink works or they don't have a very good imagination for all the things encompassed in I have no limits. So, for example, if I told them, great, I'm going to tie you up and I'm going to invite a string of people to come have sex with you. Most of the people I've been in conversation with that with would be like, actually, no, that is way beyond my limit. And then I say, oh, so you do have limits. Let's talk about those. And I'm not just trying to be, you know, sarcastic or mean to them. It's a matter of them understanding the wide gamut of how kink works. Because for some submissives, that would be their ultimate fantasy. And I've had people reach out to me and tell me specifically that is their ultimate fantasy to be tied up and to be used in that fashion, uh, you know, and they have no control over it. That is what they fantasize about. And that's awesome for them. But for another submissive, that might be their worst nightmare. And communicating that to your dom and communicating that to your submissive is a key part of the initial negotiation in sex and kink. But it's also an ongoing thing. It may be that during this conversation of, hey, I'd like to bring in another person and play with them as well, you kind of step aside from your role as dominant and submissive and allow the, your submissive and encourage your submissive to give you their honest and unvarnished opinion. Because in that power dynamic, and the reason I keep encouraging doms to encourage and give permission to their subs is that in a strict dom-sub relationship, if the dom says, I want to do X, it can be excruciatingly difficult for the sub to say, I don't want to do X. Because they want to be good. They want to be pleasing. They want to be a good submissive, even if it's something they do not want to do. And so it can be really important for the dominant to say, listen, I'm giving you this choice. I'm choosing to give you the authority. And I want to know your honest opinion because 
while I want to have a threesome with X person, it won't be fun for me if I feel like you're doing it out of duty and service and not because you want to. And so that would be how it is with us. While I have the authority, it wouldn't be fun for me to put you in a position that I knew was making you uncomfortable, even though I know you would do it. Like I know based on our relationship and our experience, if I said you're doing this, you would do it, but you wouldn't dig it. And that goes against what I enjoy in kink. So for you and I, it is kind of unspoken that if I did want that situation, you would be involved and you would have absolute right to refuse that for other people. You know, I don't know if they've had that conversation or it's something that would benefit from the discussion on a level playing field of I want your honest opinion. Don't just tell me what you think I want to hear. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was always very enthusiastic. Um, she wouldn't, you know, I I think it helped that she and I had very similar tastes in partners. <laughs> so I don't think it would have been fun or hot for her to just randomly give me away to somebody she, you know, or, or involve somebody else in a threesome, right? So, and we, we never really used the word threesome because that means something different to me. So to me, a threesome is actually having sex, which um, I, I, I've barely, outside of our relationship, I can count on one hand the number of times that I've actually had a th what I would call a threesome. These other times it's been playing. You know, it's what we call play. It's a mm -hmm. scene. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a scene where I've been co-topped is, is kind of the terminology I would use. And, yeah, like I said, I mean, it, it's something I've always been really enthusiastic about. And it's been with people I've been really excited to play with. And she and I always had very open communication about that, right? So if, if she knew who I thought was hot, and I was never telling her that so that I could hope she would arrange something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I don't really know what exactly was going on behind her curtain, but there definitely was never that element of force. Hmm. Yeah, and so because this is the threesomes in a kinky situation, it certainly encompasses things outside of sex. Because of the nature of kink and the power dynamic. You know, I wouldn't say that three friends going out for dinner is a threesome, right. right? There's no, that's just three friends going out for dinner. But in a kink environment, because you have to consent to be dominated, if you have more than one person on one person, if it's more than two people, even if it's just going out to dinner, there is an added layer of consent and therefore an added layer of if we're going to be interacting together in a DS setting, then it does fall more under a threesome situation. I mean, it's definitely sexual, and there's definitely there can be sexual touching. Mm -hmm. um, I guess for me, I just draw the line at uh, penetration versus not. To me, is kind of where the line of, is of what I call a threesome. Yeah, I think in, in kink settings, for me, and again, we have, you and I have very different experiences in kink, which is why... You know, I've never been in a situation where it was two dominants and one or more submissives, but I've frequently played with two submissives and one dominant. And in those situations with both people being in submission to me, my managing their interaction was very important. And what I wanted to talk about a lot, and this is not just the sex part, which, you know, again, because it's being directed usually by one person, though we're going to get to your multiple dominant person, the way that you expect your submissive to relate to the other submissive can be very important. And it's something that you should make very clear to your other submissive. So I think it's very important if you're a dominant person playing with two submissive people 
to make sure they understand how they are supposed to interact with each other. If you have a household that has a strict hierarchy, so for example, one sub has more privileges and more authority than another sub, which can be a lot of fun to play with if you have a household like I do, making sure that these submissives know how that works and they feel comfortable with that and they understand their place in that hierarchy going into a three-way dominant submissive relationship is very important. So for example, in my household, I have full members of the household like Katja, who we have an established relationship with. She has certain privileges and rights in the household that a guest would not have, or a brand new member would not have, or a probationary member would not have. So in that hierarchy, Katja would be above them in the hierarchy. That does not necessarily give them authority over the person below them in the hierarchy, unless I were to command it to be so. So I might say, Katja, I want you to be in charge of this new person, and I want you to do X. You have limited authority to do X. And that may be in play, and that might be part of the relationship. And the person X, the newcomer to the relationship, would have to consent to that. They would have to, as we spoke before, I don't think that authority is transferable. So they may be fine submitting to me, but they may be uncomfortable submitting to Katja. That may not feel good for them. And so they have to understand coming into my household how it works. And, you know, based on their position in the household, they may have a submissive in charge of them to some degree. I know that a lot of people do have a structured household like that. Um, some people don't. Some people it's, you know, top and everybody else. There's no one way to play. So play the way that makes you feel comfortable. But in a threesome environment, you know, when Katya and I play with another submissive, I will make sure to tell them ahead of time what they're expected to do, how they're expected to interact with that other person, how both of them are supposed to interact with me. Because again, submissive people like to have that boundary, that guidance, that not being left to make decisions on their own in a new situation can be very uncomfortable for a submissive person. So if you're playing in a three-way situation, whether it's you know going to be actual sex in a three-way or you're just doing a scene with a submissive and another submissive, or in your case, several dominants, that would be something that I'd want to have that conversation with you. And I'd want to say, Katja, we're going to go play with these other doms and I'm responsible for your safety. But if anybody in this group gives you a command, you have to follow it. I'd want that to be clear because day to day, as you know, you are not allowed to do that. So we're polyamorous and we have other partners. Katja is allowed to date someone vanilla pretty much at her own discretion. I don't have any desire to control that. But Katja would not be allowed to enter into a dominant submissive relationship with another person. And that is something that I found doesn't work well in my style of DS is having two dominants trying to dom one submissive unless those dominants have a good working relationship with each other. So as I've told Katja, yes, I'd entertain that notion, but it would have to be someone that I could work with that would, we could communicate with each other to make sure that we aren't giving you conflicting rule sets. Because that's the last thing a submissive wants to be in is, well, one of my doms said I can't do this, but my other dom wants me to do this. Who do I follow? Whose rule am I going to break? That can be very uncomfortable for a submissive. I've had partners that were submissives who they had another dominant and they would come play with me on occasion. And 
when it worked best was when they came with a very clear and understandable rule set that they understood and agreed to. So I might play with someone and we were allowed to do anything we wanted to, except for penetrative sex, like you were saying earlier. So we could do, you know, tying and caning and deep subservience play and all kinds of things that are very dominant and submissive. And she would follow my direction completely. But it was understood ahead of time that her dominant had made a rule for her not to have penetrative sex with somebody else. And I agreed to that when I played with them. And so that was fun. It was easy. It was relaxed. There was never any, you know, there was never any conflict or friction on my authority or her dom's authority, their dom's authority. Because I understood my role in that relationship, I never gave this person long-term rules. Like, you need to do this every day for the next month. Because that's something that I would see to their dom. That's something that their, you know, permanent relationship dom should be handling and they don't need another task on their calendar from a guest dom, as I guess I would call myself. So yeah, it was limited play. We understood the rules. We played within the rules and we had a great time. That may be how I would play with Katja in a multi-dom situation. So if you met a dom and we all liked each other and we wanted to play together, I would be perfectly comfortable ceding limited authority to this other dom and saying, sure, you can do these things, but they cannot assign you daily tasks. They can't do X. They can't do this. And as long as you guys were comfortable with that, that would not, I think, interfere with our authority yeah. or our relationship. Okay. I see that this conversation is going a bit long, so I'm going to divide it into two parts. The second part of this conversation will deal with some kind of real world playing in BDSM and kink settings, you know, Koch's experience in playing real world, my experience in playing in real world, multi-person kink, threesome scenarios. Until then, it's great to be back with you guys. I'm really looking forward to season three of this podcast. I'm doing my best to present to you guys a really well-made, well-produced, informative, and helpful BDSM kink and poly podcast. The new interviews that I have, like I said, I've got the BDSM and the Law coming out next week, followed by my interview with Race Bannon the week after. Look him up on Instagram at Bannon Race. Look him up online. Go to Amazon and check out his book. If you're a Prime subscriber, you can get his book on Kindle for free, which is the best deal in the 21st century. Or is it 22nd? I don't even know. It's the 21st. <laughs> it is a really, if you are a kinkster and you haven't read, Learning the Ropes by Ray Spannon, I think you're missing out. It's a quick, breezy, you know, four or five hour read. There is so much good information in there that I wish I had had back when I started Kink. You know, obviously the book existed, but Amazon didn't exist. <laughs> and I promise you that my local Barnes and Noble in the Midwest did not have Learning the Ropes by Ray Spannon, nor did my library. So... It, you know, again, it was written in the early 90s. He has updated it several times since then, so it's not dated. It's a very good book. I highly recommend it. And tune into our interview with him, which I think personally will be the best episode we put out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check out wickedfellow.com. You can find our socials at wickedfellow.com. And anything else you want to know about the studio, if you want to reach out to any of us, our socials are there. Purple is for Halloween somebody's going to get spanked after this podcast <laughs> and it's not me as always consent is king take very good care of each other and we'll see you next, next week, week.
I just wanted them to know about the purple for Halloween, or they won't even know that it was purple for a reason. They won't even understand that we were being festive. As always, consent is king. Be safe out there. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs>